Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ophil. Marca Mesut Ophil. El centro de Ophil. Giroud, gol. Gol. This is Arscast Extra. Hello and welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always, with James from Gunnerblog. Good morning. Good morning to you. Are you well? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad, to everyone's surprise. Yeah. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm all right. How about you? I'm, I'm also all right. Um, I, I did have quite a tragic incident over the weekend, unfortunately. Go on. I ever so slightly burned the roof of my mouth with some pizza. Oh, no. I know. You did tell me you were having some pizza, and I, I, I thought to warn you, but yeah. I did not. Well, I, I hope you're happy with yourself, because it, um, it's, it's vaguely uncomfortable this morning. I feel responsible. Mm. I feel responsible. Uh, you'll, you'll know better next time. Next time I'm having pizza, I want a warning from you that it's possible that I might slightly singe the, the roof of my mouth with I mean, hot cheese. Hot cheese, of all things. Was it worth it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was delicious. Well, there's some consolation. Pizza there, is great, you know. It uh, transpires. Yeah. It's delicious, yeah. So, yeah, I can, I can put up with that, that vague feeling of, um, of, of, of slight, slight pain uh, for the deliciousness of it all. On top of that uh, terrible thing that happened to me, it was a terrible weekend for your, uh, for your pal Tim. Oh, I know. I know. But, you know, it's good, isn't it? It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Schadenfreude is uh, the the thing where you laugh at Tim Sherwood from a distance. Sherwood, um, Sherwood Freude, exactly. Tim, exactly. Tim and Schroeder Freude. I don't know. I do feel sort of vaguely. I feel like this has happened for me. I feel like it's a personal gift from the gods to me. After Tim Sherwood's lost his job, after all the the tragedy and and terrible things that have befallen you because of Arsenal wins, this is the universe giving you a little bit back. I think more than a bit. This, this. I think on balance, 2015's been a good year for me now. Um, <laughs> just in that, in that one moment, uh, because I did fear, like in the spring when he saved Villa from relegation and led them to the FA Cup final, I thought, have I been wrong all this time? Does he, does he know what he's doing? And to have the fact that he doesn't so gloriously revealed mm. is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful scene. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you, you had a, 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 an extra big glass of Ribena last night to celebrate, I'm sure. Absolutely, yeah. Big, big old jug of Vimto. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, no, so yeah, delighted, delighted by that. I mean, it's been a pretty great weekend all in all football wise yeah it has I mean from our point of view obviously we won and we'll come to that uh, in a few moments time but other people around us drop points uh, Chelsea mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah I'm just I thinking mean, about that picture again even just thinking about it makes me laugh 
It's quite extraordinary. Do we know I mean, exactly I- what happened? Because from um, from what they were saying on Match of the Day, they said that Jose Mourinho was invited into the referee's room and then sent off. Um, whereas right. a couple of tweets, Sky, were saying that Jose Mourinho went to the referee's room or tried to get into the referee's room. The, the assumption I had made was that he went bananas and went, like, banging on the referee's door and was subsequently, you know, sent off and not allowed to watch the game from the bench in the second half. But uh, match of the day said he was invited to the referee's room at halftime, which seems unusual. Yes, I mean, it's it's much worse to be ejected from a party you've been invited to than one you've just crashed of your own accord. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I would have. I assumed, like you, that he had just burst in unannounced and started screaming about conspiracy theories. Um, but if he was asked in, God knows what he must have done to have so upset the referee. Mm. Um, probably accusations of bias. I mean, I imagine that's the sort of perfunctory response, but brilliant that he then had to go and spend you know time up in the. The, what was it, the West Ham director's box? I think. Yeah, standing at the back uh, of the director's box. Oh, dear. I mean, I mean, have you seen Danny Dyer's little video? Yeah, I saw it. I mean, and I thought, well, I didn't, I didn't quite know what to think about that because obviously Danny Dyer is a tremendous cunt and Jose obviously. Mourinho is also a tremendous cunt and there's not even the enemy it's of Sophie's my enemy choice. thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. You know, and it, it wasn't even any good. If he'd actually done something good, you know, like no, calling know, something, you just, sort of- just kind of skulked in behind and one of his gimp mates made a face at the camera, you know. Yeah I, yeah, I feel like that was a really missed opportunity. You know, he could have could have just stood there beside him. But I bet that, that red face guy, you know the red face guy that hangs around Chelsea? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Old red face. Yeah, yeah old red face. John Redface is his name. <laughs> uh, he's, he would have probably stepped in, but you'd have been tempted just to stand there beside him and just sort of niggle away at him, you know. Ten men. That was very, very harsh. Very harsh yellow card. The second one, very harsh for, for Maddich there. You must be feeling particularly aggrieved. Oh, my goodness. Oh, look at that decision. Gone against you again. God, oh, my God. They are. They are literally all out to get you. Just in his ear for the entire 45 minutes. That's what he should have done. But now he just kind of, he wandered by. But still, the misery, the pain, the, the, the suffering of Jose is, is delightful for the rest of us. So, are we in a position now? Would you do you want to see him sacked? Like, would would that be sort of like you know? Would that no. make you as happy as it made me to see Sherwood go? No, you want to see this extend? Not yet. Not yet. I mean, ultimately right. that would be good, but not yet. I mean, I, I'd like to see it get worse for him. I would like to see him literally lose his mind. I right. think that's happening. I think it is happening to a certain extent. But I would like <laughs> to see just a full on. Absolute meltdown, you know. I think we, I think we're owed that after the years of abject country that he is, he has foisted upon the world of football. I think we're owed that in the same way that the universe owed you for uh, for all the broken bones and uh, heartbreak and everything else by sacking Tim Sherwood. I think the universe owes the rest of us, like Mourinho, just spiraling, spiraling, spiraling. And I think to a certain extent. He, we've spoken about it before, I think he is actually self-destructing. And I think some of the stuff that he's doing is is deliberate. You know, it's, right. it's he's doing it on purpose to, to perhaps uh, exacerbate the situation and, and maybe get himself fired. Um, well, maybe, maybe. You know, if, if he's sent off for something he said to a referee, and we can only assume that it's something he said to the referee, he didn't like try and, you know, give him a wedgie or anything like that, um, then, you know, he must know 
you, you know what you can say to a referee and what you can't say to a referee. And if he tried to burst into the referee's room, you know, that's self-destructive behavior as well. But for the time being, in the same way that I was thoroughly enjoying the job that Brendan Rodgers was, was doing at Liverpool, I, I'm thoroughly enjoying Jose's work at the moment. So I want him to continue. OK, even though Tim Sherwood is available as a potential replacement, that wouldn't swing it for you. Oh, yeah, well, I think Tim is probably going to be available in a few months' time as well. I don't think there's going to be any rush. <laughs> That's true. That is true, yeah. No immediate rush on no, the services. No. So, uh, so, yeah, so good fun to watch all that happening to other people. And, of course, it's it's made better. My uh, Mrs. Blog said to me, we were watching Match of the Day, and she said, does, does Arsenal winning... Is, is that made better for you when stuff like that happens to to Chelsea? And I said, yeah, of course. Yes, it is. It really, it is much better. Uh, and I enjoyed our win. But, you know, when, when other things sort of provide the, the icing on the cake, uh, it's, it's even more glorious. But a, a really good win for us against a, an Everton team that are quite tough. And there were shades of last season's game in this one, weren't there? Yeah, definitely, definitely. It really reminded me of the one... I think was it December 2013 that was the one all mm. uh, where Gerard De Lefebvre scored uh, late on. I got all the vowels in his name there, didn't I? You De really, De Lefebvre. Yeah, I really emphasised it. Yeah. Um, we scored that late equaliser, um, and that was a game where we were already top and sort of trying to extend our lead. Do you, know, do you mm. remember the one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think Ozil scored quite late, didn't he? And Ozil they... scored quite late, and it looked like we'd done it, and then they pegged us back, and. This felt a bit like that as well because we had those couple of minutes where we've we've got this habit now where we score a goal and then we score another one straight away. It's, it's very exciting. I like it. I like we it. All, we, we all like it. We all enjoy it. I don't know how that how it comes about, but it just seems that we're invigorated by the first goal. Yeah. Rush on and get the second. Well, it was um, great, wasn't it? Because if you look at it, if you look at it from the kickoff, you know, Giroud has scored the first goal. They kick off and play around with it at the back and it's a Giroud tackle... Uh, that get, that wins the ball back for Alexis, and Alexis then gets fouled, and and uh, in we go. So you know that that kind of high pressing um, thing really worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And um, so you know, but the the goal for half time was a bit unfortunate. I thought that they got back. Um, obviously, the deflection uh, didn't help matters. Yeah, um, and, yeah. The, and then the second half. We looked a little bit leggy to me. We looked like we looked like what we were, just a team who absolutely, you know, ran and thought their hearts and heads out against Bayern Munich in midweek. Yeah, yeah, you could see certainly in the last twenty minutes um, that 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 was becoming an issue. But at the same time, we had chances. You know, we had really good chances to extend the lead. Uh, Giroud mm. hit the bar. Ozil hit the post. Uh, Flamini. <laughs> Flamini brought on with nine minutes to go, right? And and yeah. he's a he's a defensive midfielder. You're you're not quite on the ropes, but you need to just shore the game up, right? You need to make your midfield more secure. And where's Flamini? <laughs> Fucking playing centre for Arsene Wenger said afterwards. I t- I told him afterwards. I didn't bring you on to play centre forward. Uh, and he was going absolutely mad on the sidelines, Arsene Wenger, honestly. He was <laughs> screaming at Flamini to get back. Like There was the one where Flamini had the header at goal that went straight at the keeper. Yeah. And Arsene, I think, was more annoyed about the fact that Flamini was in that position than that he had missed the chance. <laughs> he he was, like, tearing his hair out. But Flamini's obviously thinking of his numbers, you know. He's got the goals against Spurs, and now he's he's on a roll. Yeah, yeah. You know, he, he's uh, there's probably a little, little bet on who's going to be the highest-scoring midfielder or something like that yeah exactly you know he wants to he wants to win that money clearly he was just 
fucking crazy. Uh, got away with it a little bit, but you know, you, you'd like a little bit more discipline from a player of of that experience. Um, ideally, ideally, ideally. But but there you go. He's very much his own flam. He is indeed. Um, but I, I really loved our first goal. Have to say, uh, and, and Giroud, who got it, was excellent. I thought throughout the game. Yeah. He was due a start. I think it was. Mm, there was certainly. part of it. Part of it was because the fact he's been scoring, coming from off the bench, and uh, I think the manager in some way needs to be able to reward that by giving him a start in certain games. You know, because if yeah. if you're on the bench and you're scoring every time you come off it, what what do you you know what more can you do to convince a manager to to put you in the team? And I think it was quite clever to to do that, obviously, uh, to uh, to reward the, those good performances and those goals, uh, but by starting him. But I thought, like from the first moment, he was he was uh, really on it. You know, some games you feel like it passes him by a little bit, right? We've spoken about it before that he's not quite aggressive enough. He's not quite. Uh, in the game as much as you would like, but there was a, an early kick out from Czech and he pushed his way in front of the Everton defender, held him off, took the ball down, laid it off, and that kind of set the marker for his for his entire performance, I thought. Yeah, I thought so. I thought he had the better of uh, Jagielka and Stones. And, you know, I think he showed the... I think he showed how much he still has to offer. Mm. And it's a risk. It was a risk changing the front line because I think he, he does enforce a different style. But then, you know, our goal came about from a header, from a cross, which you just wouldn't get with Walcott in the side. So, you know, they each got their own strengths, clearly. Yeah, I, I like that bit as well where the chance came to, to Ozil and the referee blew for a foul. But basically, yeah. he went up for a header and smashed the two central defenders out of the way. You know, that physical presence that he's capable of, it was great to see, it was great to see that. It was, it was. Uh, but the, I mean, the, his goal was all about the pass, really. Brilliant pass, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes, just perfect. Perfect. I mean, yeah. in the area where the goalkeeper couldn't get it, it was perfect for him. Or he knew he just needed to flick it and it was going to be it was going to be a goal. Just brilliant. That's seven assists now so far this season for, for Ozil. I thought Ozil as well throughout was, was outstanding. If we talk about the team and some of the players looking a little bit tired, looking a little bit leggy, that wasn't the case with him. I didn't think that, that he looked that affected by it. And there was one moment late on where he he picked the ball up from Giroud sort of towards the, the, the byline, um, deep in their half, did a couple of little step over returns, came back around, played a one-two with Giroud. And I think that's the one where he hit the post. Um, mm. And that was really late in the game. And, you know, that was just full of running and full of effort and endeavour. It was great. And when he hit the post, he kicked the ball hard. That was exciting to see. Mm. Uh, it's not often you see that, is it, that he puts his foot through it and, you know, really has a, a shot with some venom in it. So I, I did like that. Yeah. Um, I, I heard an interesting anecdote on uh, Sky's Sunday Supplement show. I know, unusual. Um, from Andy Dunn, I think it was. And it made me think of Ozil's assist, uh, which is that Jose Mourinho used to say when he was watching Real Madrid train, he, he could turn away from the training ground and he would still know when Ozil had the ball, because when he kicked the ball, it made a different sound. No like the way. Quality, yeah, that was what he claims. He's like, the quality of his touch, the way he struck the ball, was like qualitatively different from everyone else. What's he got, fucking and- bad ears? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I kind of know what he means, because when he clipped that pass in uh, for Jury's goal, it was like a... 
it was like a golf shot. You know what I mean? It was something just like so mm. nonchalant and so languid about the way he delivered it. Uh, I, and the other thing, and this shouldn't really matter, it shouldn't bother me, but it is quite nice to see Ozil getting a bit of wider recognition now, I think, in English football. You know, I think for mm. a long time he's faced so much criticism. We know all about the nicking a living stuff. But it feels like that tide... I think it's t- it turned with the Arsenal fans some time ago, but I think it's turning more broadly now. Mm. And it's just nice to see his talents a bit more appreciated, I think. Yeah, I mean, look, if you, if you can't find enjoyment in the way that Mesut Ozil plays football, or if you think that, you know, because he's not the most physically imposing player that he, he doesn't have anything to offer... It's um, it's just bizarre, you know. He's just glorious and so talented, and I think he's he's beginning to have a real influence on the team. He looks like he's more, like he's he's taking some responsibility, you know. There yeah. th- that he's realizing, okay, I am one of the senior players here. I am one of the players around whom this team is built, and I need to contribute in order to make this team successful or to try and achieve the things that it wants to achieve. Um, and maybe that's down to confidence, self-belief, whatever it might be. But I, yeah, it's great. Uh, he's just been he's been so good this season so far. And uh, I hope it lasts. Yeah. And another thing I would say, this is not to detract from uh, Ozil at all, but I think, you know, Santi Cazorla, I was looking at the chance creation stats and uh, the one I'm looking at is Squawker and Ozil's created 42 chances this season. But Cazorla is on 34. And considering that he plays in that deeper position, he's doing incredibly well as well mm. on, a, on a creative front. And I also thought that against uh, Everton, his set-piece delivery was, was quite a lot better than it has been, you know, over the past couple of years. And I felt like we looked like a threat at set-pieces, which was exciting and unusual. Yeah, yeah. The the whipped delivery, and certainly from the corners as well. I think yeah. Gabriel has got a goal or two in him somewhere. Because, Me too. Yeah, he's he's been... He's been noticeably good from set pieces since he arrived. I remember one of the, the first games he played, he had a couple of really good chances. It might have been the one against Borough in the in the FA Cup, but mm. he looks a bit of a threat from, from set pieces. And there's something, when you're defending corners, and if there's a sequence or, 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 or a collection of corners, and as a defending team, you're not getting to the ball as much as the opposition you know you begin to lose a little confidence i think in, in terms of uh of how you defend so there, there's sort of a weight and accumulation of uh, of corners and set pieces i think that was evident um uh with the second goal because we'd had a number of corners before that because orla whips in a great ball again the goalkeeper wasn't great again the defending wasn't great and arselman gets on the ball and and, and it's uh, it's two nil so yeah it was good yep. but again the delivery is is really important Absolutely, I would agree with that. Um, what about Everton's equaliser? Do you buy into the uh, the blame Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain theory that seems to have been circulating? I've seen a bit online. Yeah, I think we'll touch on Ox in the in the questions part. But what okay. about that particular thing? You know, there's a lesson there for him certainly, and that's about decision making in the final third. Right. Um, he should have played it outside to Bellerin. And if he played it outside to Bellerin quickly, we probably would have made it 3-0 or mm. would at least have had a good chance to, to make it 3-0. Um, he made the wrong decision by shooting into a crowd of players. Uh, he did his best to, to try and get back. And I think in some ways he's been really quite unlucky. He's going through this period where every mistake that he makes is ending up in a goal. You know, it's happened a number of times this season already. It is that, crazy. Yeah, you yeah. know, so I think there's, there is an element of bad luck to it, but it's also something that he has control over. 
that had he made the right decision uh, by by making the pass, then that wouldn't have happened. But I think when you lose the ball on the edge of the box or a shot is blocked and they go up the other end and score with a deflection, you know, I don't think you can necessarily blame him 100%, but it was avoidable. That's the way I'd look at it. Yeah, I would, I would concur. Um, and then I suppose... As regards to the second half, the last 10 minutes, anyway, two big, big moments. One being uh, the save from Petr Cech mm. and the other one being, I'm sure you enjoyed that tackle from, from Gabriel. Yeah, the Czech save was fantastic. Uh, yeah. And I suppose that's the, that's the kind of goalkeeping that people talked about when you bring a guy in who can win you points. I think Arsene Wenger said that after the game. He won us you know, the, the three points or, you know, he played a big part in, in ensuring that we took three points rather than one. Uh, yeah, great save, uh, great reactions. I think we rode our luck a little bit, didn't we? That Lukaku header had him beaten. He was not getting anywhere near that, but it just just sort of brushed the uh, the, the top of the bar. Yeah, And there were a couple absolutely. of, actually, that, that one Gabriel tackle, obviously there was the brilliant reaction that he had where he's sort of pumping the air like he'd scored a goal, yeah, which, yeah. Is, which is great. But there was another one, another break, Maybe a few minutes before that, and again he was the guy who got a who got a foot in on the ball and, and helped us get away. So, uh, yeah, another another fine display from him. Yeah, I thought he was excellent. It's very very nice feeling, isn't it, to sort of lose one of your first choice centre backs to illness. Permatsaka seems ill all the time, doesn't he? Mm. He's a bit he's a bit like me, a bit of a sickly child. <laughs> Needs to wrap up warm. Get some more um, vitamins, per come on. Exactly, but uh, it's nice when that happens and you're not overly concerned. You've got someone who can come in and sort of fill the breach as yeah. well as Gabriel did. Yeah. So uh, three good points. Uh, went top of the table for a little while. We're back into second on goal difference, but uh, a fine position to be in. Mm. And the Manchester derby was rubbish. Did you see that? Oh, Talk really? about boring. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, at least if Awful. the football's crap, kick the shit out of each other or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All very passive, all yeah. very tepid. Yeah, not, no, not good, fun. not good. And we have a, a game tomorrow, of course, in the Capital One Cup. What exactly are you expecting Arsene Wenger to do? I think we'll probably get some team news later on um, and we'll get a better idea of what kind of a, a team he's going to put out. But, you know, to my mind, he's got to he's got to rest people like Alexis cannot play. I wouldn't play Ozil, Cazorla, maybe not Coquelin either. Um, you know, he can rotate the defence quite well in the sense that, you know, he's got Gibbs, Debushi to come in. Maybe Mertesacker back. Chambers could could come in there. He might give a start to the guy in goal. It's just maybe further forward, we don't really have the, the depth of squad. I mean, it, he's going to have to rotate, though, isn't he? Yeah, certainly. I mean, uh, you know, it would be an exaggeration to say their last legs, but the team certainly looked tired uh, in the last stages against Everton. And obviously the Premier League's the priority. I think... You're right, the back four is pretty straightforward. You know, you can bring Gibbs in, you can bring Debussy in, Chambers as well, um, Flamini in central midfield. But, oh, I mean, everyone who's on the bench against Everton, you'd imagine, will start. Mm. Uh, it is a little bit trickier in the in the forward part of the pitch. Um, I mean, Joel Campbell will play. Maybe Theo Walcott will play, having not played at the weekend. But yeah. uh, beyond that, I don't know. I wonder if we will see a couple of youngsters. Alex Awobi had another good week last week scoring... Twice against Bayern in the, the the Youth Champions League, including yeah. a screamer. Did you see it? Oh yeah, amazing! I was yeah. I was chatting to Andrew Allen on the whole Gmail chat thing, uh, mm. and the game was on because it was streaming on YouTube, and it was like, well, Jesus, this is a f- pretty boring game, isn't it? And then within 
eight seconds, Iwobi smashes it into the to the top corner. So. I'll try that on Tuesday if he's uh, if he gets a chance. <laughs> yeah, so he's one who could be in contention. Um, other than that, I don't really know. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Arsenal says, but I do expect quite heavy rotation certainly. Yeah. All right. Well, look, we'll see. That's uh, I think that's on the telly tomorrow night as well. Yeah. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday versus Arsenal in the Capital One Cup. All right. Well, that just about does it from part one. Unless you've got anything else from the weekend that's uh, caught your eye. Um, no, I think we've covered it off. I mean, yeah. I could, I'd happily laugh at Tim Sherwood again, but other yeah, than go, that... Go, go, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Okay, right. great. Okay, I think that'll do it. Okay, that's part one. We're back with your questions in part two right after this. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Welcome back to the Arscast Extra. This is part two, where we answer your questions sent to us on Twitter at GunnarBlog and at Arsblog. James, uh, I'll let you go first in the spirit of uh, Tim Sherwood being sacked. Oh, well, look, let's, let's have some more laughing at the misfortune of others because this question comes from at Guna Adam. And he says, which has been more enjoyable this season, Van Persie's career collapse or Mourinho's? That is a fantastic question. <laughs> um... What I would say is that, you know, you know, wait, some days you, you, you feel like eating pizza. Yeah, and, sure. And pizza's delicious, even if it does sometimes burn the, the roof of your mouth very slightly. We'll forgive it Don't that. bring this up again. Yeah, forgive me as well for not yeah, warning you. Yeah, I know. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm holding a grudge here, but I, I'd say it'll pass in a year or two. Okay, um, great. So, yeah. Only so, 52 podcasts to go <laughs> until the grudge is over. So that day you feel like pizza. Another Shut day, up. another day you might feel like a burger. A burger, of mm. course, is delicious with, with bacon and cheese and some lettuce and tomato and onion, whatever you like, however you like your burger. People like different things on their burgers. Do you ever try a fried egg on top of a burger? No, I You haven't. should. It's delicious. Okay. I recommend it. Anyway, so pizza one day, burger the next day, both things are delicious. And it's hard yes. to say that one thing is better than the other. It just depends on right. your mood. So what I'm saying is that I'm enjoying them both. Some days, like today, when it's more in the, the forefront of my mind, I'm enjoying Mourinho's misery a great deal because, you know, it's there. It's fresh. We, we saw it. We saw how, how good it he looked at the back of the, the press box when the goal went in and everyone's celebrating around him, people taking selfies of him. 
surreptitiously. He's standing there looking very unhappy. And then there are other times when Van Persie comes more into focus. And, you know, I don't know what's going on with him now. I haven't paid much attention over the last week or two. But, you know, we've seen the pictures of him on the bench looking unhappy, looking miserable. So I enjoy those too. So one of them is the equivalent of pizza and the other is the equivalent of burger. But obviously, in in an enjoyment sense, I'm not saying that Van Persie is like a burger because burgers are great and he's clearly an asshole. And Mourinho is definitely not pizza because pizza is the food of the gods and he is just a big, huge cunt. So to answer the question, yes. Perfect. That's good. I think we've we've solved that. All right. Cool. I'm glad glad to kick these questions off in a good way. Okay. This one, this one comes from Clive, at Clive PAFC, and he says, Why is it Arsenal fans have suddenly fallen out with the Ox? Don't we realise we will not win the league with 12 players? And maybe falling out with the Ox is is, is maybe um, a bit too strong, but I, I think people have some concerns. There was certainly a lot of frustration abounding with his performance. It was, do you know what? It was a little reminiscent of the kind of reaction Aaron Ramsey used to garner a few years ago. Mm. Um, And I think that their problems, as you alluded to earlier, are not dissimilar in that Ramsey was often guilty around this sort of 2012 period of overcomplicating matters and maybe trying a little bit too hard. And I think that Ox is not dissimilar in that his, his decision-making is the major issue in his game. I don't think it's his technical ability. I don't think it's his fitness levels. It seems to be just the choices that he makes, primarily when in possession of the ball. And the only way to, to get through that is, I think, to simplify uh, and just to focus on the basics, really, and just to, and try and, you know, for example, in, in, that, in that case against Everton, rather than try and sh- the shimmy, then the shot, Play the simple ball, play the continuity game, you know, play play the odds, basically. Uh, and I think that is what will help him find some rhythm, some regularity, and then hopefully an upturn in form. Mm. Yeah, I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd agree with that completely. I think he's got a real chance now, doesn't he, because of Ramsey's absence in the mm. next few games to get a run in the team and to build some confidence. And I think confidence is probably an issue as well. Uh, Arsene Wenger spoke a few weeks about, uh, back about how he he lacks self-belief, which is kind of unusual because when you see him interviewed, he's a very uh, down-to-earth guy, seems, uh, you know, quite self-confident. Uh, he's a funny guy, um, but maybe on the pitch, he's lacking, uh, lacking something there. And I think that when, like Ramsey, you do the simple things really well time and time again, that then gives you a platform for greater expression in your game. Mm. And uh, as we said earlier, though, he seems to be really harshly punished for the mistakes that he makes. You know, other players can make mistakes and it doesn't quite go as badly. But every time he's got like the reverse Midas touch, everything he touches turns to opposition goal. The Uh, shitest touch. (laughs) So, yeah. So I I think Arsene Wenger really has a lot of faith in him uh, as a player. But it's down to him to just get his head down, work hard. Um, do simple things, and then worry about the more complicated stuff. You know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's avoid avoid mistakes. Avoid mistakes has got to be the key. I mean, it's tricky because obviously he has the ability to do the more complicated stuff. You know, that's he's got that in his locker. But it just seems that when you're low on confidence, attempting that kind of thing is probably not the. the you, you don't want to run before you can walk. 
basically. Yes, yes. So more walking um, and then yeah. a, a little bit of light jogging. And exactly. Then he could break into a canter. Although horses, only horses canter, don't they? Yeah, or gallop. Do, I get confused with those two. Do oxes canter? Can an ox canter? Probably. It's got four legs. I feel like that's the key. Or it's to do with if the legs work in opposition or not, isn't it? Right, I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure what the technical thing for cantering is, but... I was too big to be a jockey. (laughs) One of of my great regrets. Uh, The canter is a controlled three-beat gait performed by a horse. It is a natural... It's a natural gait possessed by all horses... But slower, it's faster than the trot, uh, but slower than the gallop, and is used by all riders. I don't know if uh, only horses can can canter, though. There's a video on YouTube of an ox cantering. No way. Really? Well, it says cantering ox. <laughs> uh, Are you sure that's so not some bloke? Uh... The clue's in the title. All right, I was just going to say, but it's I'll not be, some I'll bloke at the ground. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, this ox looks a lot like a horse. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I don't know if the horse is called ox or what. I don't know what's going on, but to me, that is a horse. Right. I'm not David Attenborough, but I think this is a ruse. Okay. I'm only the second person to have ever viewed this video. (laughs) I just had a look for it. I can't find it, but I'll take your word for it. I'd say you know the difference between a, a horse and an ox. Yeah, there's another one by the same man. Connor Huffman put these up. That's now got seven views, thanks to my input. Right. And it just says, me riding ox. And again, that's a man riding a horse. He's not fooling anybody here. Yeah. This is an outrageous coup that he's attempted to pull the wool over our eyes. Here it is. But, uh, I've, I've actually got some playing some some of the sounds from the video. Look, that's him riding ox. It's It's a fine hat that he's got on. Connor yep. Hoffman. Yeah. Looks like he's somewhere in America, maybe. Is that an ox, though? It's definitely not an ox. It's a white, grey horse. Oh, nearly fell over. Jesus. Yeah, now, see. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah that, yeah. that ox just needs to keep it simple. Yeah. Yeah. Needs to be more ox-like in his ways. Okay, well, that's enough of uh, Connor Hoffman riding ox. <clears throat> um, uh, so, yeah. Point being, I, I think the fans... I don't think they're out of love with him, are they? I mean, I don't think it was sort of... It wasn't one of those where it's sort of like audible howls of frustration to him, you know? That wasn't my impression in the ground. Anyway. No, I, I thought he did better as well in the second half. There was more to his game in the second half. He was quite was one dangerous. one great cross, yeah. Mm, you know, but uh, yeah, look, just cut out the mistakes. And, um, you know, they, they are quite um, they are quite easy to easy to do because they've been it's just carelessness and and, and lack of uh, lack of the right decision more than anything fundamentally wrong with his technique or his ability as a footballer I think unless you count those things as absolutely fundamental um, but yeah I, I I'm confident that he can he can improve so okay well uh, sort of on a similar note um David hung asks okay he's at yeah at Kutchpuck on Twitter don't worry it's a clean question he says uh, devoted listener from Hong Kong, which is nice. Hi. Hello. Uh, he says, will we ever see Giroud, Walcott and Alexis three-pronged attack to start? I don't know, because he doesn't seem to want to play Walcott on the right-hand side anymore. Yeah, I, I don't think we will. I'm not convinced we will see that ever. 
Yeah. Um, unless there's some sort of situation where, I don't know, it's a two-legged affair and we find ourselves many goals down, mm. something like that. Certainly, but, I don't think we'll see a while Danny Welbeck is out because I think there's an element of caution required. You know the way some people would say, oh, why don't we play three at the back when we had Mertesacker, Koscielny and Vermaelen, if you right, remember. Yeah. And then yeah. you're kind of going, well, no, we're playing all of our centre halves and if something happens to one of them, then we don't really have any any replacement, you know. And what's interesting, I think, is, you know, when Giroud goes through these phases where he doesn't score and he has these little little droughts, yes, I'm pretty much convinced that those occur at the times when he has been played to the point of exhaustion, almost. Because it seems that way, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, you know, there were times where, where people have been injured and Giroud has had to play game after game after game. And when he's sharp... Um, for example, that period when he came back after the the injury that he got against Everton, remember the broken leg he got when he kicked the ball or blocked the ball or whatever it was, and he came back and went on this fantastic run, but because he was literally the only option we had there, that, that after a while he got tired and his effectiveness was lessened. He was we sort exhausted of blo- him. Yeah, we exhausted him. And I think that's been true of, of other seasons as well, where we haven't had any depth in that position. And we've seen the effect in terms of his goal scoring. So what we have at the moment is this rotation, I guess you would say, between Giroud and Walcott uh, for the starting striker position. And Arsene Wenger spoke about that. He said, I'm going to have to figure out how best to to keep them both happy. And, you know, certain games will will suit Walcott, certain games will suit Giroud. Uh, And I think that's going to happen throughout this season. Uh, And the upshot of that is that we'll have two strikers who are relatively fresh, and hopefully that then will translate into into performances and goals, uh, keeping them both uh, at a reasonably optimal level of fitness. Um, so I don't think he's going to do anything that will mean, unless he really has to, where he's going to play Giroud and Walcott at the same time. I think they'll overlap now and again, but I don't think for any sustained period we're going to see uh, Giroud and Walcott starting together. No, me neither, actually. Me neither. Yeah. Um, so there you go. Even more opportunity for the Ox yeah. to establish himself. Yeah. yeah. Um, over to you. Okay. Over to me. Here we go. I've got one here. Uh, here it is. Bum, 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 bum. Uh, okay. This one comes from uh, Asfund Osaf. And also there's one here from uh, Chuck Ridwell, who's at Gunnar underscore Clarence. Uh, and they're asking about Petr Cech and about being a little bit unconvinced by him uh, at first. What what do we think now? Oh, I mean, I was always quite keen uh, to... Yeah, you know, they, these were mostly directed at me, actually, but I'm asking you the question, so, you know. Oh, I see. Right, OK, dodging the bullet. Yeah. Um, well, let me bounce it back at you, because, yeah, you, I think... I, t- I can't remember what you said exactly, but I think you were a bit like, well, maybe I'm not... You weren't... I think the fact that he was let go by Chelsea... Made you think oh, if they're letting him go, what does that mean? Is that is that fair to say? Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe that was the concern and the fact that he hadn't really played for a year, and that maybe if Chelsea were willing to let him go, that it was it was uh, it was to do with the fact that they didn't think he was quite quite up for it anymore. So yeah, I think that was the that was the concern. But I have to say, um, those have been allayed, despite the fact that. Um, the opening day against West Ham really wasn't. That was a worry. Yeah, yeah. that was a, that was a bit of a worry. 
I think the the benefits are, are obvious. He makes big saves. He was brilliant against Bayern. He made a big save late in the game against Everton, which uh, which saved us two points. I th- the the connection that he has, the experience that he has, the the calmness that he exudes, probably. Uh, on the pitch and off the pitch, I would say that there are real benefits to having him around on the training ground and in the dressing room as well that we don't see. A number of players have spoken about it already that, you know, to have him there makes them feel secure. It helps the back four. It's it's improved us uh, as a team, our spine, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm, I'm a big fan. Still not oh, mad for the hat, but, you know. Yeah, and another fa- another factor, I guess, you know, the little bits and pieces that I've heard out of Chelsea, I think he's been very much missed there as a, a figure in the dressing room. Mm. I mean, to be honest, on the pitch as well, what with Courtois being out, but um, I think they've really felt his absence. So I think he is a very influential figure and someone who carries a lot of natural authority. But the main thing is that in the last couple of games, particularly Everton and Bayern, he's made saves that you wouldn't necessarily expect a goalkeeper to make and that, that feel like difference makers. They don't feel like, oh, well, you know, it just hit him. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. sometimes a goalie makes a save and you feel like, yeah, but he was just kind of in the way. Whereas with Czech, you can sort of see the technique and you can see the way he's positioned himself. You can see the reactions. And I feel like when we signed him, there was, I think it was John Terry actually who made that quote about, oh, he'll he'll win them 12 points. Yeah. And, you know, it's something that is said, but you don't, necessarily just think it will transpire that way but in the last couple of games it has felt like he has contributed directly to the winning of points so mm. he's been a been a massive addition um I'll be, do you think he'll play at Sheffield Wednesday any chance or I mean Matt Macy is is very raw I don't think he's played a game for us so that's a bit of a risk mm. um actually I, I got an email this morning uh, here it is hang on let me just find it here uh, from Rob Silver. And he says, Hi, Ars Blog, Love your work, blah, blah, blah. He said, Not sure if you saw this video published on the 22nd of October showing the boys in training pre-Bayern. And there's a link to a YouTube video. And he says, right. You can see Ospina in the sticks at 103 and 1 minute 30. Maybe he's genuinely injured. But who knows? Maybe he picked up the injury in training, of course. Maybe, although I'm pretty sure Arsene said it was picked up on uh, international duty, although he may have aggravated it. Mm. Um, I mean, the conspiracy theorist would say he found out he wasn't starting against Bayern and there was, you know, a fallout. Um, but Matt Macy is exceptionally tall. He's got that going for him. He is. He's a big, big lad, isn't he? He's one of the longest goalkeepers around. <laughs> one of the longest. I like that. <laughs> Should use yeah. that as a measure of, uh, of a person's height. Length, yeah. yeah. The, the length of Matt Macy is something quite extraordinary. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry, I just my mind went to a different place there. Well, I know it's like we're having another question from David Hung, but I am, um, <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. It'd be a bit of a risk to throw him in, wouldn't it? So it would. But is it not also a risk to play your only fit senior goalkeeper in a game that you know ultimately yeah, ultimately isn't the most important in our season? Maybe, yeah. And his vulnerable heads. You don't want to risk him. Mm. I don't know. I need to get off this subject. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think Czech's been brilliant. I think Czech's been great. And, you know, the, I don't think we'll ever really know what happened on that first day against West Ham. I think that goes for almost every member of the team. Actually, you know what, though? Uh, he did an interview with Sport Magazine. Right. And I thought it was really interesting what he said. He obviously analysed what happened on the day. And he said, it, it, you know, it was a bit flat. 
the game felt a bit flat and sometimes you need a moment to sort of energise the crowd and energise the team. So when the free kick came in, he made this decision that he was going to go for the ball and maybe try and start a quick counter-attack, you know, just to sort of right. lift the team and lift it. And he said, no, you know, made the wrong decision there. So that was that was interesting. I could see why it happened. Um, because again, you know, even at 33, the most experienced players can, can make the wrong decision, but you could see why he was trying to make it, which I thought was, was quite interesting. That is interesting. I mean, the other thing, just on that result, is that the more the season wears on, the kind of less appalling it looks. West Ham yeah. <laughs> continue to go from strength to strength, so yeah. maybe it wasn't too awful. Uh, yeah, he's, anyway. do, he's doing a good job there so far, Slavin Village. He is indeed, he is mm. indeed. Um, right, let's get on with the sensible stuff. So, at Damien AFC asks, who in the Arsenal squad would make the best James Bond? Right. <laughs> um, my... In, Immediate thought is Alexis, because he's got oh, that kind of. of uh, he's got the kind. Of, yeah, he's just got the the thing for he's it. Suave. You know, yeah, he's got. He's, he's a bit suave. Giroud, perhaps. Again, you know, you could see him with the old martinis, shaken, not stirred. The beard, I gotta say, really suits Olivier Giroud. Caps it off, doesn't it? Yeah, I was talking to one of my neighbours who who called him a, a, a massive ride with the beard. So right. She was very impressed. Um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, Giroud could do it. Who else could do it? Not Gabrielle. Can't really see Gabrielle as James Bond. No. I mean, could could Meza Ozil be like a left field candidate? Um, I he's don't know. That, he's I, got I, the stealth. Yeah. I would have sort of had him as like the villain, the, the villain yeah. yeah. He's quite a bit more villainous look to him. Serpentine. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, I don't th- I don't think Mesut Ozil, Mikel Arteta, sure, pair yeah. of safe hands, isn't it? Yeah, for the know, role, he's he's handsome enough, and uh, you know Bond would 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 certainly rock that 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 hair, you know. Oh yeah, definitely. You know when you're running uh, around rooftops, but you know I'm yeah I'm not mad for James Bond films. These new ones, the old ones are quite good and kitsch and and fun, but these new ones are like they're a bit shit really. <laughs> I don't really. I haven't really seen them. I don't get too excited. Um, there was like the one a few years ago. Right. I, I can't remember. It could have been Quantum of Solace or whatever it was. Yeah. And I could be misremembering this, but ultimately, the the villain was trying to steal water, <laughs> and right, that that yeah. was the whole thing. It was like, oh, come on! Like he should be trying to blow up the Earth from space in a cooled space station. Not yeah. steal some water from like a, a fucking irrigation farm or whatever it was. We've all, we've all got taps, mate. Yeah, you know what I mean? exactly. There's a whole fucking sea there, man. What are you trying to do? <laughs> Just you get know? yourself a bucket. You're away. Yeah, you know. Um, I, so that yeah, that that annoys me with them. But uh, yeah, I think Giroud. I think Giroud would be pretty pretty good. I think he ticks a lot of the boxes. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. he's sort of got the. I mean, he'd probably want a stunt double for a lot of the action sequences, I imagine. Yeah, um, I'd love to see James Bond do the, like, ah, the finger waggle. Yeah, the finger waggle when he gets shot. <laughs> Mr. Bond, uh, what are you doing? Uh, yeah. Oh, it is the finger waggle of vague pain. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He's got the charm, he's got the looks. I mm. think he'd be good. All right. Um, so when Craig hangs up the Speedos, give, give Olivier a call. Yeah, yeah. It's a secondary career for him. I can see it happening, actually, yeah. Okay, cool. All right, uh, this one comes from Braggy Huffperson, I think, 
at Bragid on Twitter. And he wants to know, could you ask James if he has ever lost it in the press box when Arsenal have scored, like maybe against Bayern? (laughs) Uh, Have I ever lost it? Yes, I have lost it. I can't remember specific incidents. It's always a bit embarrassing because you're sat right next to someone who is, you know, a, a, a real neutral and you're sort of incognito pretending. Um, but there was one goal last season. Late goals. It's late goals that get you. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. There's nothing like a late goal. Um, I can't remember who it's against, though. But basically, the way the press box is, there's like a little barrier, and then it's the fans. And if you're in the front row of the press box, you sort of sp- almost spill into the fans. And there was a goal where I stood up and and ran down the stairs, um, <laughs> which was, you know, like, <laughs> which I think, I think gave me away, but you don't know. I mean, you know, I, I had to sort of sheepishly make it back to my seat afterwards and be like, oh, I'm just, you know, pretend I was just really happy because I'd made that prediction in a preview or something like that. You know, I dropped my tennis on. ball, it ran down the stairs, yeah. I had to just go get it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, come back, you know, shaking my fist, claiming that that meant points for my fantasy team. Yeah. I don't know. But, like, uh, it is it is a tricky balance. Bayern was a great one. I mean, the thing is, the nice one about European nights is that generally, um, generally, that even the neutrals are sort of on the side of... In the press box, at least, are on the side of the English teams, which is which makes it sort of a convivial atmosphere. Mm. Unless you're next to a German journalist, in which case, very awkward. Yeah. But fuck them. I mean, honestly, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of fans in the press box. I mean, Arsenal are a well followed club, so there's there's quite a few there, sort of clenching their fists surreptitiously. Mm. Uh, don't worry about it. There's plenty. There's plenty on side, but it's not quite as sort of um, there's not quite as heavy a bias as there is for say Liverpool or bizarrely West Ham. West Ham seems to have a lot of fans in the media, but uh, Arsenal have certainly got a, a decent following. All right. Okay. One more from you. One more. Uh, okay, this is from Sam Thayer at Sam Thayer nine thousand, and he says, <laughs> "Would you rather have wooden planks for arms, right? Yeah, or toasters for feet?" <laughs> um, I guess... you've got to have one or the other. Yeah, see, with toasters on your feet, you could never go swimming. Very dangerous. Get electrocuted. Because I'm assuming the toasters are continuously, you know, plugged into electricity. I think they're sort of wired to you. Yeah, they're kind of. There is a current that runs through us. All yeah, we all have electric, uh, electric bits in us. So yeah, that would be. I like swimming. I like going in the sea. That's kind of where I'm at my happiest. Really? Just, yeah. Just kind yeah, of where it's somewhere warm and I'm just floating in the sea. I like that. Well, that would be awkward. You'd have to sort of walk out to sea on your hands. Yeah, and that essentially would mean I'd drown. Once yes. you got in deep enough, I'd drown. But yeah. wooden planks for arms wouldn't be ideal. Picking stuff up would be a challenge. But you would always be on for a game of rounders. That is true. That is true. Also, you'd look like a, a glider or a plane. <laughs> I feel like if they were wide enough planks, you could throw yourself something high and just sort yeah. of gently glide. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm not a scientist. But it seems to me that that's possible. The 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 toasters. I mean, I love toast. I met someone recently who said they didn't like toast. What kind of monster was this? I honestly, I didn't know what to say. I was like, "Do you like bread?" They were like, "Yeah." And I was like, "So what hap- What what is what's going on here?" 
I was like, do you like hot bread? Like if I put some bread in the microwave for you, hot floppy bread, <laughs> how would you feel about that? And they were like, well, I'm not sure. And I was like, but toast's definitely out. They were like, yeah, no toast for me. Well, um, yeah, I, mean, I don't understand. I was astonished. Yeah. I, 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 honestly, I didn't know. I, had, I was like, I'm not sure we could be friends. Mm. I, I think that's reasonable. I don't, I don't really understand that in the slightest. Toast is great. But let me ask you the, the important question here. When it comes to toast... Butter, yeah. Toast and butter is good. Yeah, I'm on board with you so far. But if you add a conserve of some kind, strawberry jam or marmalade, okay, do you put that over the butter or do you just use the marmalade or the jam on dry toast? I put it... I feel like this is a really big moment for mm, the podcast. Yeah. I feel like it could all go wrong. I put it over the butter. <gasps> Disgusting. Oh Is this the end of the podcast? That's it. Fuck. So you you put it straight on? Straight on, yeah. No butter. Butter on toast is great. But if you're having jam or marmalade, goes on dry toast. Don't need the butter. Makes it kind of, I don't know. No, I don't Hang like on, it. Though. I don't like it. What? I, there are some, if I have peanut butter, I won't have butter as well. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a madman. That's I, two types of butter. You would put peanut butter on buttered toast. No, 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 no. I'm saying if I had peanut butter, I wouldn't use butter. Right. What about Marmite? Do you ever eat Marmite? No, but I do sometimes um, eat Bovril on toast. With no butter? Just With no on. butter, just straight on, yeah. Yeah, it's meaty and delicious and crunchy. Guys, I think, get in touch, because I don't know who's right and who's wrong here. I mean, someone definitely is. I was going to say, there is no right and wrong. Bullshit. Yeah. There is. Just, we need to fight. We need to fight and decide this. Yeah, the toast etiquette, the toasticate, if you like. Point being, I am. I'm not. I'm quite scared of the sea. Right. I mean, I'll go in it, but you know, I am constantly convinced there are sharks, and knowing my luck, there probably will be eventually. Yeah. So I think I'll go for the toast because I love toast, mm. despite what this person said. I love toast. And I'd always carry a little bit of butter and a conserve on me so, so I can, to flaunt your rules, flout these regulations and have the full toast meal available to me whenever I wanted. Wow. And you could shoot them out of your feet and catch them by hand. Imagine that as a little party trick. <laughs> that would be great. And people say we agree too much. I think we found a fundamental disagreement here. We're, I'm go. going planks and no butter uh, with conserve on toast. So... So there you go. There we go. All right, I've there got go. one, one more final one. It's not really, you know, uh, this one comes from Emmanuel Ebue. I think this yeah. could be his um, his uh, his Halloween one because he's got a Halloween question. Said, from an Arsenal point of view, what is the scariest thing or person someone could dress as for Halloween? Um... <laughs> uh... I mean, a boue would be quite scary <laughs> if someone just <laughs> if he just turned up on the field. Um, Eleven abues. Yes, that's it. That's it. Uh, any of the medical team, I imagine, are quite frightening. Um, you know, yeah. Covered in bits of Abu Dhabi still. Um, who else is frightening? Mike Dean, quite quite terrifying. Yeah, I find. Uh, and and a host of managers, really. I mean, I think. Coming as Sam Allardyce is a legitimate, scary costume. Yeah, that would be pretty gross, all right? Yeah, yeah. I think I'd say, I'd say that's too far, if anything. Mm. Could we make uh, um, scary names out of Arsenal players? Could we do that? Like um, Halloween-related names, uh, like Gabri-Hell. 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 That's not bad. 
Uh, uh, oh, got one. Mikel. Ah, Tedder. Very good. Yeah, that was good. Uh, that is very good. Wool. W- yeah. Theo. W- Theo Wolfcott. Theo, Theo Werewolf Cot. <gasps> what if that guy who was brought on not to play at centre forward got bitten by Dracula? He would then be a flampire. Very nice. Yes. That is good. That's extraordinarily good. Mm. Um, I'm just trying to think if there are any more. Per Mertesucker, because he, you know, like a vampire as That's well. That's nice. That's, these, are, these are great. Mm. I feel like the man from East Lower is sitting here now listening to this going, puns, 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 puns. puns. I know, he's gonna, so excited. Yeah, he's going to land so excited. Yeah, I don't think we should do, uh, do them all because I think it'll, you know, it'll give him something to do on Twitter, won't it, for the next 24 hours. <laughs> Keep him busy. Keep him busy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, so no ghoul. Yes, that's a great one. Mm. Ghoul is, a, is a, a lovely word, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Got a lovely sound to it. Danny Helbeck. Uh, Helbeck's nice. Yeah. What else? What I'm trying to think of other scary things, really. <laughs> Monsters and vampires and mummies and... Uh, mummies, yeah. Uh, what else is scary? Sam Allardyce's breasts. They're quite scary. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So look, lots lots of Halloween fun yeah. to be had. Anyway, we, we'll leave it there. And obviously people will make their suggestions on Twitter. And of course, let us know which side of the fence you're on. Butter and jam or just jam? Yeah, we need to know, guys. Let's yeah. end this yes. once and for all. We should, we should start a hashtag. Hashtag butter and jam or hashtag just jam brilliant tell us where you are folks we'll find the line split right down the middle are you evil and and hideous like gunner blog or are you um fine and great like me we'll see good and virtuous all right all right have a nice week everyone yes enjoy the sheffield wednesday game do that and uh whatever way you have your toast i think it's fine you can have it whatever way you want but if you're the person that doesn't like toast get out go away just get out why even listening yeah Get lost. Fuck off. (laughs) Until the next one. Bye. Bye bye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.